He brags about being poor, but Joe Biden is a rich guy. And how we got all these millions? Well, we have our theories. It's very murky, though, uh, in Joe's telling how he became so rich. Again, he's always bragging about how poor he is. Have you heard about this? Some $5 million, a $5.2 million discrepancy between his tax returns and his financial disclosure paperwork. That is very important in Washington, D.C. There's a lot more money on his tax returns. Where did that money come from? Well, uh, here's where it gets rather incredible. After he left office, Joe had a book, Jill had a book, and he gave speeches, of course. But the kinds of millions Joe Biden made uh, on a book that, quite frankly, nobody wanted to read, Jill's book, that wasn't exactly a bestseller, and his speeches. Who's really going to pay big money to hear Joe Biden speak? When Joe Biden speaks, and remember, this is back when he was vice president. He's a former vice president of the United States, fresh off that experience. Do you remember what a horrible speaker he was when he was vice president? It was a national joke. Vice President Biden sticks his foot in his mouth again. Joe Biden sticks his foot in his mouth in Japan. There's been another verbal faux pas from Vice President Joe Biden. Vice President Joe Biden definitely has a reputation for speaking his mind, and his off-the-cuff style has got him in, into trouble uh, yet again. So you think this goofball was really hot on the speaking circuit post-vice presidency? Eh, maybe. There's, a, there's, there's room for everybody, I guess, but... Joe Biden, when he left office in 2017, he was not hot. His power, he was not going places. Remember, Obama, the Democrat establishment, they all passed him over for Hillary. This guy was, well, he was just on the way out. A well-placed source tells CNN, even though the vice president is a beloved figure inside the White House, there is little enthusiasm for a Biden candidacy in the West Wing. We're hearing now, however, that there is limited support inside the White House for a Biden run in 2016. Now we're hearing from a Democratic Party source here at CNN that there's some concern in the White House about the vice president possibly running for president. They didn't want him to run for president, okay? They knew he was past his prime. They wanted Hillary. Hillary lost, and uh, so is Joe Biden in January of 2017. Is he on the rise or is he on the decline? He's on the decline. He certainly is. And quite frankly, uh, as far as speaking engagements and selling books, Joe becomes one of six living vice presidents. Joe Biden just wrapped up. Who else was walking around? Walter Mondale, George H.W. Bush, Dan Quayle, Dick Cheney, Al Gore. There is competition on the speaking circuit, and Joe was just one of a half dozen former vice presidents when he left office. Still, all this money he's swimming in right now after bragging about having no money. I was listed, I was, had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you're in office. But anyway. Yeah, but what about your brothers and sisters and children? That's a problem. He could go and say something like that with a straight face. But at this point, we all kind of know what's going on, right? And Joe, the poorest man in Congress, this guy had a fascination with property, even according to himself in his autobiography, one of them. Even as a kid, he writes, in high school, I'd been seduced by real estate. Wow, seduced, that's quite a word. 
he had a lust for property. Also, Joe was very fond of new cars in the classic uh, What It Takes by Richard Ben Kramer. And riding around in the Chevy that Joe Sr. gave him for a present, Joe told his pals he always had a new car in high school, brand new Chrysler 300. Whenever he had a date or something, you know, his dad ran the dealership. Yeah, Joe was something of a rich kid, actually, and he had a taste for the finer things. Take a look. I mean, you ever wear an ascot? You ever tried that? I, uh, <laughs> I mean, once for Halloween, maybe. And how about that Corvette? Joe loves fancy cars, and he had them when he was in his 20s. Whatever happened to Lunch Pail Joe? When he's running for president, also, I noticed his clothes. Very, very high-end material. This jacket looks like an ordinary jacket with a sweater underneath. Uh, no, it's a Corneliani. That is a very special Italian uh, garment, and it's very, very expensive. Joe also has many, many homes, a beach house in Delaware, another mansion in Delaware, and this mansion in McLean, Virginia. It's a lot of money swimming around, and Joe, I think he was hungry for it, as he admitted at an early age. And when he gets to the Senate in the early 1970s, you could do very well as a United States Senator, especially before all the uh, Watergate reforms. And how do you get around that, by the way? Because things did become a bit more strict. You enlist your family. Hunter, the others, that's what I think we all know happened at this point. I mean, it's right there. The evidence, the laptop, it's true. And who puts their son out there like this, by the way? This is one of the most peculiar photos. At first I thought it was peculiar, but now I realize it's a, it's a commercial. If you wanna do business with Joe, see Hunter. Here's another one. Go into the photo studio to take pictures like this. It's, uh, it's very strange. Although Tony Bobolinsky, remember him? help make sense of all this. I was introduced to Joe Biden by Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. At, a, at my approximately hour-long meeting with Joe that night, we discussed the Biden's history, the Biden's family business plans with the Chinese, with which he was plainly familiar, at least at a high level. Uh, this is damning stuff, and I really hope that grand jury, whatever they're doing, they've talked to him. This has got to move forward. This cannot stand. No, by the way, not just Hunter, not just um, the brothers, but Joe's sister, Valerie, apparently had a role in all this. You know, she managed all of Joe's campaigns. That's a way to keep money in the family because she got money for that. She also was there when Hunter sold his paintings at the gallery in New York. Remember that fiasco? Guess who was about... 20 minutes behind, Valerie, uh, all in the family, right? And to get to the president, if you want to, you go to the family. That's why they do things like this. That's why they say things like this. They always have, they still are. Did you say your dad, you and your dad talk every night? Every night, yeah, yeah. Well, we talk at least every night, yeah. Sometimes. By the way, <laughs> Not only does he talk to me every night, he calls every one of my daughters, he talks to each one of them every day. And he talks to me, and I know that he the talks to my The president of the sister. United States. Yeah, yeah. But by the way, he's always done that. I mean, always. Always, of course. Are they just talking about the grandkids? Are they just talking about sports? Are they just talking about his uh, ailments? I think they're talking about business. 
And I find this very distasteful. It's not just Democrats, by the way. Oh, boy. Republicans have been playing this game and bragging about presidential access. Here's George W. Bush. 30 years ago, he's not yet governor, but his father is the president of the United States. And, well, guess who he gets to talk to and brag about it? When you're the president's son and you've got unlimited access combined with some credentials from a prior campaign, in Washington, D.C., people tend to respect that. I mean, access is power. And uh, I can find my dad and talk to him any time of the day. Must be nice. Why say that on the news unless you wanted to let people know that you're available to lobby, possibly your father, for money, right? Because we all talk to our family, hopefully. This is the way it works. This is the swamp. And this is one of the most glaring examples of it in action in the Biden family. This is um, in 2005 at a political event in South Carolina. Now, there's Joe talking to people. Look at Hunter keeping an eye on everything, right? He is all over this, just listening to the conversation, not stepping in until the key moment, until business comes up. Somebody wants something from Joe, but it's not quite on the up and up potentially. Um, Hunter? Watch. Well, maybe you can work something out, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. yeah that's what we'll do. Well, Hunter was just telling well, about his firm in Washington. Yeah. yeah. Law firm? Yeah. Do you have a card by any chance? I do. I, I don't, but I'll give you my... Uh, well, let me give you my Yeah, and then I'll, I'll get, I gave them yeah. all away. Okay. Yeah. The, um, well, that was a wonderful speech. That was Bob who wrote that. Are you, you're hearing from the core of what I wrote there. The, it, 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 your dad wrote. I thought... You see that? The choreography? That is the swan. That's what's been going on here. Unfortunately, Joe really chose poorly. His son, who has problems. We all know that. And we, nobody likes that. Uh, but because of those problems, we all now know about what they were doing. The laptop. Would he have left that laptop if he were sober? I don't know. Would he have written this text message? Take a look. To his daughter, Naomi. I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. Will someone please ask Joe Biden about this? He's around reporters every day, but somehow he gets away with this. It's like it didn't even happen. All right, stay with us. That Elon Musk is amazing, but look at the pushback he's getting uh, from inside Twitter. It doesn't matter. Twitter has been reborn, and this guy is sending men into space. He is amazing. We'll be right back. All I can say is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? they they're very unhappy with things that are happening on social media right now with Elon Musk in charge of Twitter. It is awesome. Uh, conservatives are being unleashed. And you know what? If this had happened, say, two years ago, we'd probably have a President Trump right now. You remember the biggest story really of the century in my book, the Hunter Biden laptop was more or less censored from the entire Internet, especially Twitter. They pushed it down, made it hard to find, and it probably tilted the election. That and a lot of other stuff, by the way. Um, 
who decided to do that? It was, well, the top Twitter team, including a lawyer there who's very upset right now. It's said that she has cried when she found out Elon Musk is in charge. This is what he said about her. Suspending the Twitter accounts of a major news organization for publishing a truthful story was obviously incredibly inappropriate. And it was. Now that lawyer, um, let's see, put her up on the screen. Major lawyer, graduated from NYU, great school, $17 million last year. But yes, a prime mover in banning Donald Trump and censoring the Hunter laptop story. So you heard what Musk just said about that move. Now they're accusing him of misogyny. Yes, other Twitter executives, I hope they're all fired, by the way. Uh, Lara Cohen, she is the head of uh, partners, global head of partners, whatever that is, sounds important. What is she saying about all this? She's accusing him essentially of misogyny. Color me shocked that people are coming for two of our prominent female executives on day one of this thing. I'm sorry, but those female executives made horrible decisions that hurt us all. They're supposed to be immune from criticism because they're women. It is, that's really a screwed up place. And by the way, Elon Musk, not only is he, you know, turning upside down the world of social media, he is sending astronauts out of this world, literally. Here he is a couple of days ago, kind of taking in the launch complex. Uh, and today, early this morning at about 4 a.m. East Coast time, the rocket went up with four astronauts inside. Destination, Ten, the International Space Station. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition. SpaceX. It's amazing. He runs SpaceX. He's doing this thing on social media. The guy literally is changing the world and clearly for the better in my book. All right. How about a guy who's changed it for the worst? Vladimir Putin. Uh, you've heard all, maybe you've heard about the speculation about his health. People wonder if he has Parkinson's disease, if he has cancer. They say he's gaining weight. He's bloated. The way he looks suggests that he might be sick. At least that's what the media uh, is speculating. Questions are swirling about Russian President Vladimir Putin's health. There's two real primary concerns right now, the stability of Putin's health and whether he would actually seek a nuclear option. Bloated Vladimir Putin video heightens theories that Russian leader is sick. New video of him gripping a table has prompted lots of rumors that he has Parkinson's disease. He was visited by a thyroid cancer doctor 35 times and I think it was four years. Putin has had a bit of a bloated appearance. What was striking to me was his hand. You yeah. see it there. He didn't move his hand the entire time. That was pretty strange. Wow, every little move, Vladimir Putin. But when it comes to our own president, Joe Biden, and we've all seen some very strange stuff, the media is completely mum. I mean, he's got problems. We can all see that. But nobody who works there in Washington in the swamp will talk about it. Why not? There's one guy, though. Newsmax's James Rosen stood up and asked the president point blank what so many people have noticed. A poll released this morning by Politico Morning Consult found 49% of registered voters disagreeing with the statement, Joe Biden is mentally fit. Well, I'll let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. 
Well, so the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you. I have no idea. Well, let me see if I can help you out on that one, uh, Mr. President. Take a look. I was at the at, 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 at the big meeting we had in Europe. Thanks to Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley and, and Earl Bump, and Earl, excuse me. I was in the foot, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping. Citizens of our, our, our allies who went in with us. But not Metropole. No, excuse me, not Mariupol. Expanding manufacturing capacity in the Middle East, in, in the Middle uh, uh, Atlantic, excuse me, in the Midwest. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Mm. So uh, Mr. Rosen's question was, uh, was a good one. That was two months ago, three months ago. No one's brought it up since. And what do they do to him? How did the mainstream media react to that very legitimate question that most people have noticed? There's something, you know, off here. A reporter from Newsmax who deep into the of this very long press conference asked a very personal question about Joe Biden. It is an absolutely disgraceful question. Their scorn is our badge of honor. I love it. I love it. Now, we got to talk about New York City. We got big problems here, and this is one of them. Eric Adams, the mayor. Look at him strut. Yeah, he, he can do that, and he can wear the hell out of a suit, but he doesn't know anything, and he has no experience, no administrative ability, very little political ability. He got in through a fluke. Like his predecessor, Bill de Blasio, he spent many years lying about the NYPD, lying about police, saying there's racism everywhere. You know, before these two guys showed up, we had 20 years in New York City of Republican rule. We had Mike Bloomberg, who was a Republican initially, and Rudy Giuliani. And we got to a point where we had harmonious race relations, very, very low crime, and no terrorist attack in a dozen years. These guys have erased all, and I mean all, of that progress. And they lied. They created a false narrative but now that narrative, that false narrative, has actually become something of a reality. We were so far in the wrong direction of really abusive policing in our city and country that people got so fed up that they turned the ship too far in the wrong direction. There too far is, to the left. To the left. There is a middle ground. He likes, he can fool you. Um, and a reasonable guy here, right? I mean, doesn't that sound reasonable? He's playing you. He certainly is playing Anderson Cooper. So de Blasio and Adams, those abusive techniques, right? Well, New York loved the police department. In 2013, it had overwhelming approval from across all demographic groups. Can you imagine? 67%, 56% of African Americans supported the NYPD, but they created a new and false narrative that the media fell for, and here we are. I'd like to say, first they pretended that the NYPD was broken, then they pretended to fix what wasn't broken, and now they've actually managed to break it. Here's more. Is the subway shooting 
an indication that this city is in real trouble in terms of crime? No, I don't believe so. When that shooting happened on Tuesday, Wednesday, people were back on the train. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, people have not been riding the subway since the pandemic. Ridership is down below 50%. And, uh, you know, people, some people have to ride this train. We're not feeling secure in this city. And it's thanks to progressives like him and their ridiculous, foolish policies that have hurt people. Now, it's all about him, right? The style, the swagger. Take a look. You've talked about swagger. <laughs> Walking down the street with you, uh, you have swagger, certainly. <laughs> and and you, you've said that when, when the mayor has swagger, the city has swagger. That's right. What is swagger? It's, you know, feeling as though you've overcome so much that you can overcome whatever is in front of you. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's arrogance. If I see that video again, this is arrogance. And he thinks that he did it all. He did it all. Hey, uh... No acknowledgement of God or others, supporters, the voters, New Yorkers. He, he did it. Him, him, him. And the suit, nobody should wear, nobody should dress like this. I know some say he's stylish, but that's a double-breasted vest and a monogram and cuff length. Too much, too much. Finally on this guy, and I'm sorry, a little bit of this is personal, all right, because I live here. A man who speaks like this in public for a part-time job should never be elevated. This is what I'm talking about. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. We deserve more money. We deserve to be paid for the job we're doing. Senator Adams, I believe you've made your point in the two minutes. How do you vote? I deserve a raise. No, you don't. But boy, Confidence. I'll uh, I'll give him that. Now this. Matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives do matter, of course, but not in the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. But all black lives matter, including the life of 11-year-old Zion Burgess. He was shot and killed this past Sunday. Police say he was outside his home in Florence County, South Carolina with his uncle when their cousin walked up with a gun. The uncle and the cousin had a heated argument that ended with the uncle opening fire. Zion was struck at least once and died later at the hospital. Everybody knows Zion. Nobody wants to kill my grandbaby. And I always love him. He's not with us right now, but I know God take him to a better place. So Zion's uncle, 27-year-old Crandall Burgess, is charged with voluntary manslaughter and weapons possession. He was released on personal recognizance, let go with the promise to come back for his court hearing. Zion's cousin, the 35-year-old Montario Graham, is charged with stalking, trespassing, and weapons possession. He was also released after posting a $25,000 bond, even though he has a violent criminal record both men were released from jail less than 48 hours after the shooting. It's the fourth deadly shooting in Florence County this week and the second involving a juvenile. He was just 11 years old, Zion Burgess, and his shooters are already out of jail. We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. 
Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. This is Kevin McCarthy, Republican member of the House of Representatives, Republican minority leader, but he's no leader. You heard about, well, maybe you heard the tape where he said he was going to tell President Trump to resign in the aftermath of January 6th. That's not a leader. That's not a guy who can keep it together. Uh, I'm sorry. And we're hearing more audio. Maybe it's regrettable that he was taped, but it's clear this guy (laughs) caves in a crisis and can't lead and is too susceptible to the views, the opinions of the mainstream media and the far left. Matt Gates has been a hero throughout all of this, by the way. And listen to what he wanted to do to him. I just got something sent now about Newsmax of Matt Gates said where he's calling people's names out saying an anti-Trump in this type of uh, atmosphere than um, some of the other places. This is, this is serious stuff people are doing that has to stop. Oh, and, uh, and Louis' comments too, a lot of members have said some real concerning things. It's potentially illegal what he's doing. He's putting people in jeopardy and he, he doesn't need to be doing this. It's, we, we saw what people would do in the Capitol, um, you know, at least we came prepared it's with rope. With rope. This was a setup. Hey, Steve Scalise, by the way, he's off the hook in my book. I mean, that guy has been under fire. He was shot by radical left wing terrorists. So I give him a big pass here. But Kevin McCarthy, who needs him? Who needs him? And he's a swamp guy. He's been there forever right? Elected to the House of Representatives in 2006. This is a go-along, get-along type of guy, right? Trump, deep down, was his worst nightmare. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, have you seen this new trend putting the gay pride flag in front of, on churches? What does that have to do with anything, huh? The gay pride, I feel, as somebody who's quite frankly not gay, I feel uh, like that's a little bit exclusionary, actually. You could say also disrespectful on a lot of levels, but how am I supposed to feel? Is this a, and what difference does it, why are they talking about that? Why are they emphasizing that? Now, uh, I happen to know some people, maybe you do too, way back in the day, you know, in their twenties, you know, whatever, college, maybe they went to a strip club, hmm? Should we have uh, strippers, uh, hustler, uh, all those things on the outside of the church? Because some people, to have a good time, want to go to a strip club? I don't think that's right. I don't think, none of that stuff is relevant, okay? Take us imperfect. We come and we can have a conversation with God. This is created by man, and it's very strange. It makes no sense. And it's not just happening at churches. It's happening at one particular school. This is the Nativity School in Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, they got the gay pride flag. This is a parochial school, a Catholic school, and the Black Lives Matter flag. Now, the Black Lives Matter flag, okay, that's a big problem. I'm sorry. It is an anti-faith socialist group, anti-family. Uh, just go read up about it. Gay pride? I do have an issue with that, actually. I have an issue with pride. We all should if we're Christians. And actually, Jews, pride is a sin. Why is it? Why is that considered good? This is not anti-gay. I, it's not. It's about the pride part, actually. And we all have, I, I don't understand it. Do you? 
Here's a statement from the bishop who's really going through hell right now. Bishop Robert McManus, the flag with the emblem Black Lives Matter has at times been co-opted by some factions, which also instill broad brush distrust of police. Bingo. Gay pride flags are often used to stand in contrast to consistent Catholic teaching that sacramental marriage is between a man and a woman. See, this is their plan. They want to cancel Christ because of this material. That is their plan. There are people out there saying you got to get rid of the whole Bible, actually, because of some of the topics in there. Imagine that. That's their. It's not going to work. We're not going to let that happen. Here's what the parishioners think up there. Yeah, I agree with Bishop McManus and what he's doing, and I think all bishops across the country should be making statements for all Catholic schools who are doing the same thing. If they want to continue to call themselves a Catholic school, then they should follow his guidelines. You would think, but this is the odd man out now. He has been disinvited uh, to the graduation at Holy Cross, which is in the uh, parish, a big university graduation. He is suffering right now. We are with you, Bishop Robert McManus. And I have a feeling somebody else is with you. Him and our favorite president. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never, ever back down. As long as we are confident and united, the tyrants we are fighting do not stand a chance of victory because we are Americans and Americans kneel to God and to God alone. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And when you go to a church with a gay pride flag, What's that all about? Are we kneeling for that? Is that how some will interpret it? And again, it's exclusionary and it's wrong. They're having fun with it for some reason. I don't know. More on this when we come back with C.J. Doyle. He's the executive director of the Catholic Action League of Massachusetts. Be right back. A liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. The Nativity School of Worcester, Massachusetts. Fine Catholic school, uh, no problems. However, well, until recently. Uh, Take a look at this. The American flag, of course, and right below it, the gay pride flag and the Black Lives Matter flag. A lot of people understandably have a big problem with those two very controversial emblems. And right now, uh, very important people seem to be turning against the bishop who does not like these flags. You can put that me in that category as well. Is the school committing itself to ideologies which are contrary to Catholic teaching? If so, is it still a Catholic school? We'd like to bring in C.J. Doyle. He is the executive director of the Catholic Action League of Massachusetts. He's been in that position for about 27 years. Sir, uh, welcome. How are you? Very well. Thank you for having me, Greg. You bet. So, look, bring us up to speed. When did they put those flags up there? It seems totally contrary to just about everything. Um, And what's the plan to take them down? Why are they still up? Uh, it went up apparently several months ago. It just recently came to the uh, the attention of the bishop. The school is called Nativity School. It's run by the uh, USA East Province of the Society of Jesus. That is to say, the Jesuits. 
And the bishop issued a very, very modest, reasonable, appropriate, and warranted statement at the beginning of April about this, uh, suggesting that the, the presence of these flags really imperil the Catholic identity of the school. And that resulted in basically a media firestorm in the mainstream uh, secular media here in Massachusetts. On April 3rd, the, the very uh, April 2nd, the day before the statement became public, which meant somebody gave it to the Globe ahead of time, the Boston Globe had a, basically a front page hit piece on the bishop by a columnist named Yvonne Abraham. And uh, he was called, uh, you know, a, a person that epitomized cruelty and everything else. And uh, the whole immediate a feeding frenzy began. A feeding frenzy began in the Boston media. Every television station went after him. Uh, the public broadcasting station said he was a coward. There were editorial cartoons in the Worcester newspaper, the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Uh, so this is the bishop has been demonized and defamed for simply upholding traditional Catholic teaching. And the school has said they're going to keep the flags up. Uh, so this is an actual defiance of the of the bishop's authority. And those are uh, Jesuits. Uh, those are known to be, uh, you know, big intellects, uh, somewhat independent. Now, let me ask you, and I, I'm just thinking about this now. You mentioned the Boston Globe. They're the ones who did the big spotlight uh, story, the series about, and we all know about this, um, uh, abuse, uh, sexual abuse uh, within the Catholic Church and priests and that kind of thing. Very, very unpleasant, but it's being, it's been dealt with, being dealt with. Do you think that this is some sort of virtue signal from the faculty? Like, oh, look, we're, we're on your side. We're, we're woke. We're leftist. Uh, is there any, any, any tie in there? Oh, sure there is. Uh, look, Christy, you heard of the 30 Years' War. The, the Globe has waged a 40-year war against Catholicism in Boston, against Catholic values, and against Catholic principles and Catholic morality. Uh, in terms of the faculty and the students uh, who have signed this petition against the bishop, I mean, you know, they're, they're clearly bourgeois cultural conformists. They've, they've abandoned traditional Catholic morality to, to conform to the dominant secular culture and to become subservient to uh, elite opinion and to basically uh, move with the, the spirit of the times. And this is very serious. You know, you have one of the people who signed this petition against the bishop, which said that uh, the bishop's reaffirmation of traditional Catholic teaching was, quote unquote, ignorant and bigoted, included the uh, director of admissions for the College of the Holy Cross the chairman of the political science department, uh, the um, uh, director of government relations, the director of graduate studies. So here you have a whole series of people at an elite uh, Jesuit college, the College of the Holy Cross, uh, you know, attacking a Catholic bishop for, for doing nothing more than simply upholding uh, the traditional values and beliefs and doctrines of the Catholic Church. Yeah. So the school is itself, which is a middle school, is defying the bishop, and the Catholic, uh, the, the, the Catholic college that it's affiliated with is openly uh, demonizing the bishop. By the way, this is happening not just um, at Catholic schools and uh, churches, but Protestant, uh, non-denominational, let's put up some of those uh, churches, uh, putting the gay pride flag right in front. This is a national obsession. Even the St. John's Cathedral, I'm sorry, St. John's Chapel, which is right across from the White House, on Black Lives Matter Street, I guess they now call it, it says uh, Black Lives Matter right in front of the church, or at least it did for many, many months. Um, to me, quite frankly, this is exclusionary. Uh, I'm not black. I'm not gay. And I feel like the messaging is such that, you know, maybe I'm not welcome anymore. Well, I mean, you just have to go to the website of Black Lives Matter 
you see how they think about abortion and traditional morality, they actually have a, a, an article up on their website now calling for the expansion of the Supreme Court to protect Roe versus Wade, call for court packing. Uh, they support abortion. They support homosexuality. They demonize the police. Uh, as the bishop said, they create distrust for an unwarranted distrust for, for law enforcement. And they're a Marxist group in, in, in inspiration. And they're opposed to the nuclear family. So, again, it's not only the gay pride flag. But the BLM banner is another example of explicit rejection of, uh, of Catholic morality. Yeah. Nuclear family. They don't like that. Uh, and it's all about transgender folk. This, uh, there are just so many more important and good things to talk about, you know, in the Bible, the word of God. There's so much there. And focusing on this nonsense, it's it's uh, it's really terrible. And you put it right out there in front. Hey, by the way, Worcester City Hall. They're now supporting, they threw up all the flags in support of the faculty that is defying the bishop. Well, do me a favor, uh, tell the bishop, if you see him, Bishop Robert McManus, we are on his side. This is crazy. We don't like it. I hope this ends. I think we're kind of snapping back. I kind of feel it, but we'll see. Uh, I appreciate it. C.J. Doyle from the Catholic Action League of Massachusetts. All the best. Greg, can I mention just one last thing? Where's the separation of church and state here? A government agency in Worcester is using public property as a government flagpole to intervene in an internal church matter. Where are all the uh, the liberals that tell us that we can't impose our values on society? They're imposing their values on us. Yeah. Funny how that works, huh? Talk about a double standard. It's, uh, it's very regrettable, but I think we're going to be successful. Let's stay tuned. And uh, thank you, sir. All the best. We'll be right thank back. You, Greg. you bet. Take care. Be right back with Nigel Farrar. Hey, we love these guys, of course, President Trump and Nigel Farage, former leader of the Brexit Party, uh, member of parliament. And uh, by the way, they're probably, I don't know, he saw President Trump's appeal earlier than almost anybody. Uh, so we like him. How do we feel about uh, Piers Morgan lately? I don't know. I don't know. I think he might have tried to uh, sabotage President Trump. As you know, they had that high profile interview the other day, and Piers has been taking shots at Nigel Farage. I wonder why that's happening. By the way, Nigel has a great new show. It's called Farage. It's on 7 p.m. Monday through Friday uh, on GBN News in the U.K. Hey, Nigel Farage, welcome back to Newsmax. It's been a while. How are you? It has. Very good to be here. Thank you. And uh, yes, extraordinary stuff. So here's what happened. I was at Mar-a-Lago two and a half weeks ago. I went to meet number 45, chat about the world, stayed for dinner, had a very nice sociable evening. Um, it was clear that Piers Morgan was launching a new show in the UK backed by Rupert Murdoch, and the conversation about Piers Morgan came up. I said to the president, do not think this man is your friend. He might pretend to be. Here are the quotes of what he said about you in the last 18 months. Trump was clearly horrified, confronted Morgan with it. Morgan then says, I've betrayed him because I know him. And there we are at an English cricket match. I mean, you couldn't get more English or more London than that, could you? Um, and I tell you what, the truth is never a betrayal in any circumstance. Then he goes on to interview Donald Trump and he concocts a story that Trump stormed out at the end of the interview, which simply isn't true. And it's all about 
It's all about sensationalism. It's all about publicity. It's all about media stories and feed. And the truth goes to the bottom. And I like to think that people like you and I do our job because we're trying to get to the truth. We're not using lies and fictions in the way that Morgan is. And I, I honestly think the whole thing is an absolute disgrace. You know, there's one thing, and I'm glad you're here to clear this up, when, because I saw the promo. Can we show you the promo? Let's, let's take a quick look at the promo, because it's so over the top and ridiculous. Go ahead. Okay, Piers, I'm ready. A former president in denial. I'll be completely straight with you, to your face. I think I'm a very honest man. Much more honest than you, actually. Really? Yeah. It was a free and fair election. You lost. Only a fool would think You think I'm a fool? I do now, yeah. With Excuse me. Okay, with respect. The legacy. The hard evidence. Excuse me. The most explosive interview of the year. I don't think you're real. This I'm, is really, just I'm not like... Very dishonest. Let's finish up the interview. Morgan versus Trump. Turn the camera up. Very dishonest. Only on Talk TV. So after that, uh, President Trump called Piers a slime ball, but not a total slime ball. <laughs> when he hedged on the slime ball thing, I thought for a second, maybe President Trump is in on this. We're going to make it sound like it was really, you know, crazy and explosive to get more interest. I could kind of conceive of President Trump going along with something like that. Maybe. Yes, maybe, but not in this case. And the way that's cut and clipped, the reason he was saying, let's finish the interview, is the president's office had agreed to 20 minutes. Morgan was going for an hour and 20 minutes, right? That's the first point to make. Second point to make is when Trump says turn the cameras off, that's after they've said their goodbyes. And he completely, willfully, dishonestly twists that as if to say Trump got up and walked out. I mean, honestly, we all know there are bad cases of journalism, but this is despicable. There's no other word for it. And, you know, Morgan was on CNN for a bit. He got sacked. He was on Good Morning Britain. He walked out because the weatherman upset him. Um, he was kicked out of being editor of the News of the World. And whilst Piers does have, I would say Piers, 80% of the time is entertaining, intelligent and fun. It's the other 20 that I have a real problem with. Understood. By the way, your show, Farage, we only have a few seconds left, but uh, I love it. I love that. It's an hour of you, five days a week, seven o'clock on GBN News. What's the mission? What's the uh, what's the raison d'etre? To tell stories that the rest of UK mainstream media do not even give airtime to. You know this on your side of the pond from the Hunter Biden stories back in 2020. That's what I'm there to do. And our mainstream media is even more liberal and even more biased than CNN and the New York Times. We've got even bigger battles to fight. Awesome. Awesome. Farage, you are made for this stuff. Thank you very much. Nigel Farage. To be continued, sir, good luck with the show, and we'll be right back. Hey, thanks a lot. Stinchfield is next, and I'll see you tomorrow.